You're listening to the Mining and Energy Union podcast. Yes, indeed you are. I'm Tim Brunero. Well, MEU members in New South Wales fund the Westpac Rescue Chopper Service, which saves the lives of people all over the state. In fact, their support was integral to establishing the service. But don't take my word for it. Here's Chris Griffith from the Dew Rally Lodge west of Foster. I don't think my wife or myself would have been alive today if it wasn't for the Westpac helicopter. You'll hear more from Chris later, but I thought before we go to him, you'd like to hear from Robin Williams, Northern Mining and New South Wales Energy District President. Robin, why is the Westpac chopper so important to get those injured in regional areas quickly to hospital? Simply because we work in regional areas that are a long distance away from major hospitals. It might be a half hour drive from a mine in Singleton uh, back to Singleton Hospital, but Singleton Hospital is not a hospital that can deal with injuries that may be caused as a result of some sort of mining accident or incident. Uh, So we want to make sure that we've got a chopper service available that can fly any of our injured members uh, from the mine site to, you know, places like the John Hunter or any other large hospital where they may need care. The MEU's got a very long history with the service. Can you tell us a bit about it? It dates back some 35 years. We've been integral with respect to payroll deductions and supporting the service. And look, you know, we can't speak highly enough of the service. They do a great job. And uh, we want to encourage as many of our members as we can to to donate and and fund that chopper through payroll deductions. Is it as simple as ringing the pay office or do you need a form or what are the nuts and bolts of uh, making sure a bit of your payroll um, each payday goes to this great service? Uh, Well, what members can do is they can contact our Cessnock office on 0249907600 and our office staff will uh, provide a form that members can fill in and then they submit that to their local uh, payroll and the payroll then um, will put that deduction in place. Uh, alternatively, they can talk to their local lodge representatives at all of their mine sites uh, or work areas and those, are, those guys would have the ability to provide a form so those members uh, and anybody who wants to donate directly to the service. And what's that number again? Um, people never seem to have their pen handy when you give out phone numbers. They've got it now. <laughs> They've got their pen, so the number is 0249907600. Well, that's the nuts and bolts on how people can contribute, but this is not theoretical for you, Robin. You've been touched by the service yourself. A work colleague I worked with a number of years ago, uh, his name's Terry. Uh, him and I were fitters on shift together, and Terry was a bit of a farmer. Terry was working one afternoon using a Hagen saw. It's an extremely dangerous implement for cutting uh, large logs. You can cut sleepers and that type of stuff for fencing. Uh, Well, Terry was cutting uh, some wood, a big log one afternoon, uh, and the Hagen saw picked up the log and threw the log into his legs. And uh, Terry was obviously had a couple of broken legs and severe injuries. And uh, he tells me the story when I went to visit him in hospital that um, he thought he was gonna die that afternoon. And in fact, he said he heard the chopper coming. He said he heard the chopper land. He said a big guy jumped off the side of the chopper and started yelling orders uh, and giving people directions about what to do. And it was at that point that he said to me that he believed that he would survive. 
uh, but prior to that he actually thought he was going to die so it was a pretty pretty moving story that Terry told me and uh, obviously Terry was a good mate of mine and um, yeah it's a it's a really close story uh, from my perspective to know that a very close mate of yours work colleague um, uh, potentially was going to die but was saved by the chopper oh wow uh, goosebumps that's Robin Williams Northern Mining and New South Wales Energy District President Okay, now let's hear a bit more from Chris Griffith and find out why both he and his partner owe their lives to the Westpac Chopper Service. It's over 35 years since Northern District members from the Hunter Valley all the way up to the Queensland border started fundraising for the Westpac Rescue Helicopter Service. Of course, 15-year-old Chris Griffith didn't know any of this back in 2001 when he was trail biking in remote bushland on the mid-north coast and had a sickening accident, breaking the strongest and longest bone in the human body. I had a head-on collision with another motorbike rider. Um, yeah, my friends did panic. Um, they initially thought I was I was passed away at the time. <laughs> uh, I wasn't moving or anything like that. I had blood all through my my goggles and helmet. And out of that, mate, I I uh, had a fairly fairly bad broken broken femur. Well, I, I did a good job of it. It's the hardest bone in your body to break, and I I shattered it. So. Yeah, and also had parts of my kneecap in my thigh. So that, that's how hard a hit it was, mate. Um, also, too, I, I, I broke my motorbike helmet or split it up, up the centre. So as you can imagine, it's a, that was a pretty fair hit. Chris, who's now a member of the Lee Lodge west of Foster, was picked up by the Westpac Rescue Chopper to go to Newcastle Hospital. But he was so sick, they had to change plans mid-flight. The Westpac helicopter team came and, and stabilised me best they could. Uh, and got me on board the aircraft uh, and then I was supposed to be taken to the John Hunter Hospital um, but I I couldn't be stabilised so they took me to the Manning Base in Taree where I spent sort of a a week in intensive care and four weeks in the hospital. What 15-year-old Chris couldn't have known was that if it wasn't for the coal miners, the chopper wouldn't be in the air. The CFME, you guys and girls, uh, have been magnificent supporters of the helicopter for more than 35 years. Um, it really has been quite an incredible journey. Uh, and in fact, it's held very, very in high regard right throughout our community when I talk about the, the coal miners and their contributions to the service. Uh, people are just absolutely blown away by the, by the quantum. And if you add that up, it, it, it's, um, it's in the multi-millions and millions of dollars that the, the mine workers have contributed. I reckon, without a doubt, that if it wasn't for the coal miners 35 years ago jumping on board with their support, that the service wouldn't be anywhere near what it is today. That's Westpac Rescue Helicopter CEO Richard Jones. Ten years later, in 2010, tragedy struck for Chris again when his wife, Rachel, had a horrific head-on car crash. My wife just left the house um, and no sooner than sort of three minutes I, I heard a loud sort of crash outside. Um, yeah, look, I, gut instinct was that something's not right. So I jumped in my car and, and ducked up the road. It was just on dark, so I sort of couldn't quite make out the vehicle. As I got closer, I, I worked out it was my wife's car that was involved in a, in a motor vehicle accident. Um, I, I got to her, she was unresponsive, um, at this time, I, I actually thought she was deceased. That's how bad the accident was. Um, it, it, yeah, it took the emergency services about an hour and a half to cut it, my wife free of the car. Um, and at that time, I could hear the Westpac helicopter uh, in the air above us uh, sort of coming to land. 
and just hearing that noise was a was a sort of sense of relief of knowing that you know you've got some of the most highly trained experts on board that aircraft um, that are there and and about to help out with the situation. Rachel's injuries were horrendous. She'd broken both ankles and both wrists. Uh, after arriving at the hospital, uh, and my wife spent tw- 12 hours in surgery, um, the doctors initially said to us, we, we don't know how this is going to work out. Um, and in that time, in that month, mate, uh, my wife was unresponsive. Uh, yeah, as you can imagine, a lot of thoughts going through my head. Um, a lot of ones for the worst of the worst case scenarios. Huh. And after eight months in hospital learning to walk again, she was back on her feet. These are the stories the people at the Westpac Chopper Service hear every day. Look up their website and you'll see their workload. One morning they'll take a four-year-old girl with a snake bite from Tenterfield to the Queensland Children's Hospital. Then in the Arvo, a 19-year-old fella who fell from a cliff at Yamba to Lismore Base Hospital. And that night, a bloke with head injuries to Tamworth from Guyra. But of course... They're at the high-profile jobs that get beamed around the world as well. Like when the coal ship Pasha Bolka ran aground 13 years ago in Newcastle. It was just a horrific day here in Newcastle, as everyone uh, well knows. The, uh, the coal ship Pasha Bolka came around the, the headland there at, uh, at, at Nobby's and, and grounded itself on, on the beach. Uh, the police requested us to, to extract uh, the 20-odd seamen off that but uh, we actually had a brand new chopper. Well, not brand new, but it was new to us. Uh, it was the first job it did in anger. It was actually the Tamworth-based machine. It was swinging through Newcastle. It, it went out there uh, after our other machine had been called away to a, a car in a creek up the valley. So it, it lifted about 20 seamen off the, um, off the boat. Uh, the pilots just fixed their eyes on a, on a particular spot. They can hover there and that... The attention worldwide for the service um, was just incredible and for all for our partners. So one of the crew, Glenn Ramplin, um, every time he hit the deck, there was static electricity that built up through the, the blades of the helicopter. And every time his feet hit the deck on 20 occasions, he got a massive jolt of electricity through his body. So poor old Glenn was spent after that. The service has come a long way from its humble beginnings. It started in New Zealand, the concept, and was brought over to Sydney in 1973. And then in 1975, the Newcastle and the Hunter uh, region uh, uh, commenced. Uh, it's a completely voluntary service. There was one paid pilot back in the day and, and the machines were extremely rudimentary. In fact, if you even um, know, and I'm sure everyone does know, the, uh, the MASH television series, that, that, that was a Bell 47 where there was pods on the side. And that was indeed the first helicopter that was um, procured by, by this organisation. And I always sort of jokingly say that if you weren't sick when you got on that pod, you certainly weren't weren't the best shape when you got off. But that's what it was in the day, and technology has certainly taken us to a, to a whole new level now. Things are much different today. Very big, very safe. They're actually built for the oil and gas sector. Um, they're about seven-tonne aircraft, and there's lots of room. So in the old days, we used to... Uh, they call the scoop-and-run method. So if someone was in the field uh, in a farming accident or a motor vehicle accident... They'd actually get the patient on board as quick as they could and get them back. You probably all heard about the golden hour. Well, now the machines are that good and they carry that much equipment. You're actually taking the the ICU out to the patient. So they're spending more time on the ground because they have more equipment and certainly more skill. And the mission hours are longer, but the patients are getting onto the aircraft when they're a lot more stable, if that's the the right term. So the aircraft are worth about $16 million each. Uh, there's a $2 million fit-out in the back, medical fit-out. 
We have four in northern New South Wales and another organisation covering the south have eight and they are all identical and the, and the reasons for that are what they call interoperability. So a paramedic in Wollongong, if he is uh, or she uh, deployed to Newcastle or Lismore or Tamworth, everything, even the glove holders are in the same spot. So it reduces the risk and aviation is all about, like most industries, particularly mining, it's all about reducing the risk to as low as practically possible. So they are world-class machines. The weekly payroll deductions from all coal miners aren't missed on Richard Jones. And special relationship is an absolute correct term. Um, in fact, the, the CFMEU have a position on our board of directors and, and we're delighted to have had some wonderful uh, contributors from, from the mining mining union. Uh, look, I think it's one of those things. I've been to plenty of mine sites and talked to the guys and girls and thank them for their contributions. You know, and, I, and, and the big old secretary will say, mate, I'm happy to give you five bucks a week, but I never, ever want to see you on my mine site. And of course, he's saying that with the greatest of intention. He's happy for, you know, for me to come along and say thank you, but he never, ever wanted to see the chopper at the mine site because generally they're only there for, a, for an incident. We have been doing quite a few safety um, simulations with mines rescue teams. On That always works really well, and it's good for our teams to be aware of what to do and what not to do on mine sites. But look, the financial contribution and the best wishes that we get, and coal miners throughout this region have, have proudly said for years that, yeah, that little angel is, uh, is in the sky should we ever need them. Uh, but they're also happy to, to put out there that, you know, they're supporting the wider community with their contributions. And it is the single biggest donation we get every year is from the coal miners of this region. So you know, I couldn't thank them highly enough there. And I know a lot of them through my footy days and I still cop a bit of grief when I go into a mine site, but it's all good-hearted. It's great banter and, uh, and they've become an integral part of, uh, of our community and certainly our service. You know, as, as mining, of course, was, you know, started around the Lake Macquarie area, and this is a bit of history, around, you know, the lake and the Lower Hunter, and then as, as mining moved up to where it is now, right through the Gunnedah Basin and beyond, it was really was the coal miners of this region that, that realised that they were moving further away from primary health care, so it was even more important that the helicopter was funded to a greater level so that in the old days that we could afford better equipment. And, in fact, um, we had a massive... Um, input from coal miners uh, and the union way, way back, which gave us the opportunity to actually have a second machine here, which wasn't under contract. But you know what? If one was broken, we could just roll the other one out. And we actually crewed that second machine at a significant cost, but the miners were very, very comfortable in supporting that, uh, as was the, the rest of the community. But it all started with the coal miners of this region. And, well, and we couldn't thank that, that industry, and particularly the union members, uh, highly enough. It's, ju- it's just been a magnificent relationship. That's Richard Jones from the Westpac Rescue Helicopter Service. That's all from the podcast this month. Talk to you soon.